This podcast is presented to you by High Desert Word Center in Barstow, California. For more information, visit hdwc.org. All right, does anybody need an outline now? We'll go through this message here and really help you. If you need an outline, hold up your hand. I'm glad to be doing what I was called to do. God programmed me to be a preacher and a teacher. And a good husband. And dad. And grandpa. And get to be able to be a blessing to my family. So I'm glad to get to live out my days to the fullest. And finish my, not only my, my call, but also my call from God to be a husband and a dad and a granddad. I'm glad to get to finish doing those things. And so anyway, today we're going to look at why Jesus came to earth. And we're going to start off with John chapter 10, verse 10. And when you get there, I'm going to, I'm going to pray for you that you'll be able to receive today what God has for you because he wants to change your life today. He wants to change your life. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you in the name of Jesus. Lord, I know that I'm grateful to get to live out my life to the fullest what you have for me. And Lord, I'm grateful to get to finish the call where you're going to judge me for. And I'm grateful for this congregation, for this church family. They're awesome. There's great things this church has done and much more we're going to do together. And so as we look at this, one of the last messages of this year, I want to thank you today for revelation knowledge, eyes being opened, and Lord, people seeing what to do so you can do all you want to do in their lives so they can be the blessings you intended they should be. Thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. When we was worshiping God this morning, the Lord gave me a little thing that he's told me before, but I want to tell you this so you'll listen to this close. There's a difference between a preacher and a teacher. Preaching will give you hope. A good preacher will get your emotions stirred, get you excited, get you to say, yes, 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 I don't want to quit, I can go. I'm not going to give up. I'm going to make it. I'm going to do good. A good preacher to that. But then a teacher will show you how to turn hope into reality. Amen. You know, uh, Hebrews 11 one says, Faith is the substance of things hoped for. And so hope is like the plans for a house. Anybody ever saw blueprints or plans? I mean, Chuck, I know that's what he lives on, blueprints. But blueprints... You can't, you can't eat blueprints. You can't live in a blueprint. Blueprint shows you what you can have if you build it right. And so that's what hope does. Hope's like a blueprint. It shows you this could be yours. But then faith is like getting a picture developed where you actually have the picture and then you build the house you see. Then you got the house to live in. And so that's what we're going to do today. We're going to show you what Jesus says you can have. And then I'm going to do the teaching part of teaching you how to get it. You know, it's one thing, well, like the nice place we're getting. We're getting a really nice place. Newberry Springs, got a lake, 10 acres, all the stuff like we used to have back then, Dan, except even more. Place place for every kind of animal you can think of. Horse place for the horses. Uh, got, I was checking out the chicken coop yesterday. We'll get chickens again, start having eggs again, want eggs and stuff again. Well, her faith, I was hooked up with her. But basically, her faith pulled that place in. So she turned, her hope was turned into reality. You know, 
She'd hoped for a place like that. But I was kind of a weight. She was dragging along because I liked my place. And so once she got me hooked up, we got that place. Well, today I want to show you how your life can change for the better, teaching you after pump a little hope into you. Amen. So it's it's hope first, then faith. Preaching gets you stirred. Teaching shows you how to do something with it. Amen. John 10.10. 10. We're talking about why Jesus came to earth. And you've got your <clears throat> outlines now. Jesus said, The thief cometh not before to steal, to kill, and to destroy. Well, in my life, for example, was that cancer, heart attack? Was that still and killed, destroying? We know where it came from then, don't we? Amen. It wasn't God trying to teach me something. Is the devil trying to kill me. And so any time in your life those things are going on, still and kill and destroying, Jesus says to the thief, but Jesus said, I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. And so this is Christmas time and we're thinking about Jesus. And you know, the baby in the manger didn't die for your sins. The man he turned into did. That baby is a starting point. We saw the baby come, then the baby grew up and things changed, and then he became a man after he'd experienced all the things we would have found sin, and he'd become a man, and then he died for our sins. And so I said that to say this at Christmas time. We're looking at why Jesus came to earth. There's so much we could say about Jesus and why God sent him to earth. We know he came to die for our sins. I mean, we know that. And everyone hears that. But only the ones that believe it, Invite them into their hearts to become their Savior and receive eternal life. The world hears that. In America, people hear that all the time. But all of the people who call upon the name of the Lord benefit from it. Amen. And so we hear all the time, Jesus died for our sins. And when you ask him into your heart, you receive eternal life. And then a verse you can write down. 1 John chapter 3, verse 8. 1 John chapter 3, verse 8 says, For this purpose was the Son of God manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. And we're talking about why Jesus came to earth. And so we know that according to that verse, he came to destroy the works of the devil. And what are some of the works of the devil? Well, right off the top of my head, thinking about what I know, sickness and disease are from the devil. Poverty is from the devil. Broken relationships are from the devil. Anytime there's division between a parent and a child, between fellow church members, between brothers and sisters, between husbands and wives, anytime there's broken relationships, the devil's in there somewhere. It wasn't Jesus. And it wasn't God. It was the devil. And Jesus come to destroy the works of the devil. Addictions. Addictions. Jesus didn't invent Miller High Life. He didn't invent past blue ribbon or Marlboro cigarettes. All those different addictions that get a hold of people are for one reason. Stealing, killing, destroying. Some of the ugliest things I've ever seen in my whole life is a human being ate up of lung cancer or emphysema. Laid there in a hospital bed as a skeleton dying. And one of the most Robert, Robert was with me on this one. I think Dave might have been. Did you go to the hospital with us in Nicaragua? You remember those men that were young men, like late 20s, very cirrhosis? In Nicaragua, these people there get pure 
wood grade alcohol or whatever it is they make that stuff there they drink in Nicaragua. They saw these parents in this hospital. Hospitals are like American hospitals. They're little outdoor places, little, not much, with flies buzzing around everybody. Now, I remember two specific guys we were looking at laid there in hospital beds with the parents sitting there just crying their eyes out. And these guys laid their big old bloated bellies and stuff, died of cirrhosis of the liver. And so I look at these things that Hollywood glamorizes on TV and commercials and stuff like that, and how good all these party lives is and stuff like that. What would happen if the honesty and transparency of the world preaches was ever put on cigarette packs or booze or marijuana? And all these glamorous people, the pretty dresses and the fancy clothes, laying around the beaches, sipping on their stuff like that. What would happen if they had instead somebody laying there dying of cirrhosis? And they had that pretty beer bottle beside them or that drink, whatever it was, and said, hey, guys, you want this so you can have this? I think that alcoholism would go down quite a bit if they were allowed to tell the truth. And so that's what I'm saying. Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil. And those addictions of things are some of the works of the devil, things that destroy human beings. You know, uh, God said our bodies the temple of the Holy Ghost. And so especially we as believers, we ought to be able to hook up with God and get delivered from addictions. Anything that's going to steal our health, we should hook up with God on. Anything that's going to steal our family, we should be able to hook up with God. Because Jesus said he came for us to have life more abundantly. And so I want to look at the last part of this verse in the Amplified Bible. Last part of the verse and we're looking about why Jesus came to earth. He says, I came that they may have and enjoy life. Have and enjoy life. Have and enjoy life. Enjoy life. And have it in abundance to the full till it overflows. In abundance to the full till it overflows. I want to tell you, in my heart, I was enjoying eternal life for all this year. But in my body, I was not enjoying life very much. It's not very much fun if you can't put your own shoes on. It's not very much fun if you can't take a shower because you might fall out and bust your head because you can't hardly move. It's not very fun when you're walking. And some of the times through this, I had vertigo. Well, it felt like the, it, all I can describe it is like, it felt like the floor was going like this. It felt like I'd never been on a ship before, but it felt like I was on a ship. And sometimes I come walking into church. I feel like I had to walk this way. Because why is the church floor sideways? It wasn't something on the inside of me was. And that's not enjoying life. And so, see, that's part of, that's part of the faith thing. What I'm, I'm preaching hope to you now. Jesus said, I come for you to have an enjoy life. And so right now, in your life, this is where the preaching comes in to get you stirred and give you hope. If in your life right now, you're not enjoying life because of family things, because of health things, because of financial things, because of job things, because of people that are, that are a thorn in your flesh, give you a hard time in life. If you're not enjoying life, Jesus said, that's the thief. He said, I came for you to have an enjoy life. You see how preach comes in. Preach gets you excited and you're thinking, wow, I've said this in the Bible right now. He's getting me stirred. But if I stop right there and say, yay, everybody believes that, give the Lord praise. That's where a lot of preachers stop it at. They get you all puffed up and fired up and excited like that. 
Now let's take up an offering. Anybody ever been surfacing like that? Everybody gets all excited about everything? But this time, take up an offering. And then, okay, let's go home so I can count the money. That is not God's best. I'm not putting that on the preacher, by the way. But I'm just saying, I've been around long enough to see how this works. And so, preachers are called from God. But if your preaching gift is what you've got, that's why the Bible says there's apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. We all have different gifts. And so, right now, I want you to see from this verse that God wants you to have hope today. My whole year started off very (laughs) C-R-A-P. It wasn't a very good looking year for me most of the year, but the year's not over yet. It's my best year yet. Praise God. All the reports and my wife prayed me out of the house that I loved. (laughs) I worked on that house for a lot of years, had it really where I wanted it. Right in the middle of Barstow, I had a jungle. I don't know how many trees I had, 18, 20. I, don't, I never counted them. I had, I had so many trees around that house, so much grass. I'd be out looking at my kitchen window, eating breakfast, and there'd be people stop and look at my grass. They liked that grass so much. My kids thought they were playing in a park, my grandkids. We were playing, we played baseball in the backyard in the grass. I worked at that place. I loved that place. But now God's given me a better place. And so I'm telling you for what you are, for where you are in life right now, that's what I'm telling you. God has better before you you've ever had behind you. I'm preaching hope to you right now. Whatever your current situation is, spiritually, mentally, physically, financially, socially, whatever your status is in any realm of life, Jesus said, I want you to have it and enjoy it. You know, how is it that you can be a good witness for Jesus and say Merry Christmas if your life stinks, you can say it. You say Merry Christmas. But Merry Christmas. <laughs> I'll never forget it. I used to be a truck driver. And I remember a couple of different times people tried to witness to me. I mean, I went to Sunday school when I was young. So I knew about Jesus, but I sure wasn't living for him. I'll never forget it. This happened twice. Had a couple of puss tripping on their bottom lip. Christian truck drivers. You need to get saved to go to church with me. Remember, God said to me one time, and as a sinner, you know, I wouldn't, I, I mean, I'm just way out there. I said, what'd you say? You need to go to church. And you know what I thought? Honestly, what I really thought? Well, if I go to church and I got people like you, I'm not going to your church. That's what I thought. If I had, you know, we know the difference between happiness and joy. Joy is the fruit of the Spirit. Happiness is your natural surroundings. Well, at that point in time, man, I had enough money. I was enjoying my party life. I was enjoying my beer, the stuff I was doing. And so why would I want to leave my temporary happiness so I could be depressed like him? Why would I leave that phony happiness to go to depressed build, build some religious church? And so why did I say I'm saying this? That's why, as you're here this morning... I want to preach some hope into you. So when you say Merry Christmas, you mean it. So when you tell somebody Happy New Year, you mean it. Because you believe no matter what your life's going to be, what has been like, that it's going to be a Happy New Year. 
It's going to be a Merry Christmas. Things are going to change for the better. Amen. I want you to have hope in this thing. Jesus said, now listen, if Jesus said it, then that's the will of God is for us to enjoy life. If he didn't mean it, why would he say it? Because he told us the other side of the coin, the thief's the one that's making you depressed. The thief's the one trying to steal your family. The thief's the one trying to hold back that good job for you. The thief's the one trying to make you die young. The thief's the one trying to steal your health. The thief's the one broke up your home. Hey man, you might have had a part in it because you were ignorant. Because you're so carnal, you helped blow it yourself. But guess what? God is the God of forgiveness and new beginnings. Amen. I want to say that again. The devil will lie to you through things going on and say, what's your fault? You caused it. It may have been. But God gave us the way out. First John 1 9 says, confess it. He'll forgive you. He'll cleanse you. Then seek you for the next. I know when people come into my, come into my office, and they're going through a divorce and stuff that happened. I got to talk to them honestly. I say, first of all, there's, you know, there's three sides. There's your side. There's his or her side. And then somewhere in the middle, truth meets. And so one of the first things got to say is what part, look back over your marriage, what part did you play in this? And then see, that's not for a finger of condemnation. That's to deal with reality. And then once you see that, to help you get through it, if you can repent, change, God's on your side. Jesus said, what you to have enjoy life. Just because this one here is blown doesn't mean your life is over. That means now you're going to be smarter. Amen. You know, I remember one time years ago concerning pastoring, some church things going on. The Lord said this to me, and after he said it, that I understood it. Just out of the blue, he's talking to me. He says, he says, more planes crash because of pilot error than any other one thing. And when he said that, I knew in my church, I made a judgment error in a building project we were doing. And it caused some problems in the church because our building didn't get done like it was supposed to get done. But I knew I got a step ahead of God in the financial process. That caused us problems. Well, I was the pilot of the church. I was the one to lead the church, fly the church. I was the one responsible. So I knew this wasn't just an attack from the devil. I knew I'd made a mistake because at that point in time, I wasn't mature enough in pastoring to see how to do it better what I did. So I learned I'll never crash a plane again. And so in a marriage, or maybe in a parenting situation, or maybe a job you lost. In our lives... It will go back and examine crises that happen. If we see there's a part that we played in it, then we got to make the we got to make the uh, decision right then. Wow, I see what I did. And the first thing you've got to do, number one thing you've got to do, <clears throat> is be honest with God, be honest with yourself. One thing you've got to know. I remember back in Bible school, back in 1983. Well, man, that was, that was a few years ago, wasn't it? A little bit. Anyway, in 1983, I remember a Bible school teacher made this statement in a prayer class. He said, don't con God. <laughs> you can con people, say, well, this is why it happened. Or you tell somebody else, well, they did this. 
But God knows what's going on, and he knows what you know what's going on. And so no matter else, I'll give you an example. One time back in the uh, mid-80s, I was still a truck driver. And uh, I had this truck driving job, and I really had a rough time with this center boss and this center truck driver I worked with. And so anyway, long story short, I was supposed to tough it out and be a good Christian. You know, there's a fruit of the Spirit called long-suffering. I thought I'd suffered long enough with those rats, <laughs> trying to be a good witness. And so I got tired of suffering with them, so I quit. And I went to a much better job, but the much better job turned out like I jumped out of the frying pan into the fire. I thought these other people acted like the devil. Well, the next job I boss was the devil. <laughs> it was bad, really bad. And so I kept on telling all my fellow Christians and my church member friends and everybody else, God bless me, God gave me this new job. But I was miserable. It was horrible. The money was much better, but I wasn't getting any R's in. And so $9 an R in those days compared to 18, that was quite a difference. But if you're getting 40 R's a week at 9, you're only getting 10 R's a week at 18, it's not better. <laughs> and if those 18 R's or those 10 R's, whatever R's you're getting, or just another torment and harassment, that's even worse. And so anyway, finally there come a point in time, I admitted to the Lord, first of all, I said, Jesus, I know I left too soon. Lord, I'm telling everybody, you blessed me, you didn't bless me, Lord. I did that myself, I wasn't led by you, I did it myself. And so then people say, somebody, how's the job going? I would say, instead of conning myself, God, and trying to be a phony Christian, I would say these words, say, well, the job's going horrible. I missed God. I should have stayed on the last job. You know what happened about a month when I started admitting it? I got a brand new Teamster job, best one I ever had. You know why? I quit the con job. I came clean with God. I said, Lord, I left that job because I couldn't stand those stinkers I was working with. You know, <laughs> those were rats. But I know that you had me witnessing to the rats. Amen. And so, whatever your status is in life, you have to know the will of God. He came for you to have it and enjoy your life. And so, if you're not, there's some adjustment needs to be made. So anyway, Jesus came not only to redeem us from Satan's dominion and give us eternal life, but also Jesus wants us to enjoy our life on earth. He wants you to enjoy your life on earth. And so, what does that mean? What does that mean? Look at Third John, verse 2. 3 John, verse 2. What does it mean <clears throat> to have and enjoy life? Well, you know, we could all have our own thoughts on it. But I told you a while ago in my testimony, I'm a word man. I'm a Bible man. I'd like the Bible to answer my questions, not me just give you my opinion. And so 3 John, verse 2, says this. Beloved, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health, prosper, and be in health, even as thy soul prospers. And so God says, He wants you to have enough money to enjoy your life. He wants your health to be good enough to enjoy the things your money buys. He wants your family to have enough money to enjoy life. He wants your family to have the health it takes to spend the money and enjoy life. And this is not something I'm making up, it's Bible. 
This is the Apostle John. In his older age, lived a long time. Jesus' right-hand man outlived all the other apostles. And when he, by the Holy Spirit, the Bible says, I want you to prosper and to be in health. That tells me why Jesus came. He wants us to enjoy life. He doesn't want us to be broke. He doesn't want us working the crowd in front of Union Bank. Amen. Jesus wants us to enjoy life. And so prosper means to cause to succeed, especially economic success, to flourish and to thrive. Prosper means to cause to succeed. God wants you to have economic success. He wants you to financially flourish and thrive. And he also said to be in health. That means to live in divine health. God's best is for you and me to live in divine health. And, you know, I, I want to stay up my notes and say where we're going. But that would also tell me we got a part to play. If you're an ignorant heathen, been raised by heathen parents like I was, you don't know it's wrong to smoke. You don't know it's wrong to stay drunk all the time. If that's all you see your dad, your mom do, your aunts and uncles, cousins, everybody else, if you're raised in booze, you're ignorant. But if you're a Christian that goes to church now and reads the Bible, then you know it's wrong to fill your lungs with poison. You know it's wrong to fill your system with drugs and alcohol and things that will kill you. And so if you're going to enjoy the health you have to make some adjustments. And, you know, I'll throw one else in. This, this is not condemnation, but just something to think about. If you're eating foods that you know is causing diabetes, or you're eating things you know is messing up parts of your body like that, it might be time to make some adjustments. I think about 1 Corinthians 6. It says, know you not that your body is a temple of the Holy Ghost. It says, take care of the temple. Amen. You know, if you're eating things that are not affecting you and you're doing okay, People are affected different. That's one thing. But for you to have and enjoy the divine health God wants you to have, you got to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit will help you make corrections and adjustments. And really, you don't need Holy Spirit if you see, see the medical evidence that this is killing you. Remember, doers of the word, not hearers only. God do some things. So anyway... Uh, to be in health means to live in divine health. And listen to this. I taught healing school for a lot of years. Love to teach again if God ever released me to out here. But this means, number one, divine health means you just don't get sick. You stay well. That's God's best. You just stay well. Or if you do get sick, divine healing belongs to you as part of God's covenant with his people. And so he said... Jesus said, I came for you to have and enjoy life. Have and enjoy life. Third John 2, Jesus' right-hand man said, God wants you to be in health. He wants you to live in divine health. If you get sick, he wants you to receive healing from him. <clears throat> but then notice, he says, this is all up to how your soul prospers. Even as your soul prospers. And so a key word here is even as, that phrase, even as. That means, that's an accounting term. It means equal to 
Or it's like balancing out your checkbook to reconcile your checkbook to where your checking ledger reads the same as what the bank statement says, what the bank record says. They need to come into agreement. They need to come into agreement. And so he says, now listen, talking to born-again Christians, he said, I want you to prosper, live in divine health, equal to your spiritual health, even as your soul prospers. And so when you reconcile the checkbook, years ago, when I was a young guy, you know, I, I, I know that most all the young people I know don't even know what reconcile even means when it comes to, they just think you got a magic card and you just use it. And then you just use it no matter what it says, and then all of a sudden one day a half a dozen letters show up in the mail of all the things that bounced. They say, how could they charge me $35, $35, $35? And said, I used it, they took it. Well, yeah, that's because the last 15 times you took it, the bank doesn't know about yet. And then all of a sudden you got this domino effect. And so what I found as a young guy years ago, when I was doing my checkbook ledger, every time I ever challenged the bank, they never was wrong once. It was always me. When I used to go in back in the old days when you went in, got a statement, you went in and talked to them, and you couldn't check everything instantly online. You didn't have to wait till the 30 days was up and you got your statement in the mail. Then the statement come in the mail, that's the first time you find out you bounced something or something was wrong. That's when you get all mad and huffy, and you go run into the bank, and you sit down, and back in those days, they didn't have women working in the banks. They were all big old fat guys smoking cigars, it seemed like. So I've always remember going, does anybody remember those days when just the big fat guys with cigars at the desk had those light brown ashtrays like that, cigar ashes everywhere? So you go in there, you go, I want to talk to the manager. Go back there, and they got the chair, you're sitting down this load, you look up like that, and you want to smoke in your face like that, and you show him how he's wrong. So then he gets the lady, brings the, your records in, looks at it like that, so you go over the things, and then all of a sudden, oh, I forgot to put that in. I see that. Well, you have to get it reconciled with the bank that's got the records. And so this is like Christians. They're even as isn't what God said it was supposed to be. So they're all mad at God. Why this? Why that? How come? This isn't working. And God says, even as you line up with my word, you're not lining up. It says, even as thy soul prospers, accounting term, equal to, to be reconciled with. And so if our life is not lined up with God's word, I'll give you a real good example. Uh, say amen or oh me. God said, that this is not taking up an offering, but God said, bring the tithe into the storehouse. And then God said, would you bring your tithe into the storehouse? And that's your lifestyle, you're a tither. He said, I will rebuke the devourer for your sake because you tithe. He said, I will open the windows of heaven and pour out my blessing on your life because you're a tither. He said, your friends will see you and call you blessed because you're a tither. And then you come whining up to the altar and you're praying. Pastor, 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 pray for me, pray for me, pray for me. And I say, are you, are you a tither? And I'm, I'm, I'm a pastor that follows after God. That's why I say this so I can pray for you effectively. So when I say that, I'm not nosing into your life, but i got two ways I can pray for you. If you're a tither, then I stand on God's covenant with you. 
And I could say, Father, he or she's a tither. You said you rebuke the devourer for tithers, Lord. And so as their pastor, I'm standing here with them, Lord. Hold your word up to you. Thank you, Father. You rebuke the devourer for them. Thank you the windows of heaven are opened. But if you say this, which some people do sometimes, and God loves an honest heart. If you say, you know what, Pastor? I really want to tithe. But I just, I'm having such a hard time. I just can't do it yet, but I want to. Well, it's not mad time. It said, okay, I'll pray another way, another way to pray for you then. It says we can boldly approach the throne of grace to obtain mercy. Find grace to help in time of need. And so I say, Father, you heard their hearts. You see their life. Lord, they want to, but they said they just haven't got that place yet. And so Jesus never, ever, ever, somebody come in for help because they wasn't measuring up to where they could have measured up yet, maybe. He never said, whop, get out of here, I can't help you. He said, surely goodness and mercy will follow you all the days of your life if you're following after God. So then, what do you do? You pray for them as the pastor, then you encourage them. we got books in the bookstore that will teach you about finances, about tithing, about these things. I'll give you some verses and read these verses. Faith cometh by what? Hear the word of God. So you start getting that word in your heart. You start getting faith to tithe. And so what have I done? I've helped them become more equal to. It says, even as your soul prospers, well, their spiritual life has become more reconciled with what God's word says. And so there it says, you prosper and be in health even as. So that even as means all of a sudden their soul is more prosperous because it's agreeing with God. And then that translates into their actions where they get their paycheck and they say, Lord, I made $100 this week. Here's $10. Say, Lord, I made $1,000 this week. Here's $100. Well, you know what that is? That's called prosperity of the soul. They're doing what God said to do. And that's what he said for you to have and enjoy life. He says, prosper and be in health even as. Your soul prospers. Can you see that? Can you see what I'm saying? And I'm talking about why did Jesus come to earth? Well, to put it in modern terms, one reason Jesus came to earth is so Christians wouldn't be broke. Amen. And one reason Jesus come to earth, so if you're born on the wrong side of the tracks, you're born again now, you cross the tracks, live on the right side of the tracks. Amen. Amen. Somebody said, well, I was born to lose. Well, I was too, but I was born again to win. Somebody can clap if they want to. I'm doing better preach than you are shouting. See? We're getting you into the teaching arena now. Now I begin to teach well, I'm showing you how to turn that hope into reality. What is the hope? Jesus wants you to enjoy life. What's the teaching? Your soul begins to prosper as you obey what God's word says. And so as your lifestyle, as your lifestyle then uh, begins to light up with God's word, then your life's going to begin to change. So even as thy soul prospers. And so to the degree your lifestyle lines up with God's word will determine how much of God's best you enjoy on earth. That will determine, it's not luck, good or bad, it's what are you going to do with what you know. Now look at Deuteronomy chapter 30, we're coming in the home stretch now. And this, this, is, this is the part that will separate the men from the boys. I guess you say the ladies from the girls. But Deuteronomy chapter 30, now this is where the teaching comes in that will show you 
how to turn your hope into reality. If you want this year, to, this year could even end now better for you than what it's been all year long this last week. For sure, 2019 could start off as a totally different year. Deuteronomy chapter 30, I'm going to look at verse 10 through 14, just make, make a few comments here. Verse 10 through 14 says, if, I circled if in my Bible, because whenever I say it, if, that means God's getting ready to give me a choice. I call that a condition. It says, if you will hearken, that means listen to, the voice of the Lord thy God, and the primary way that God's voice speaks to you and me is through the word of God. The Holy Spirit speaks to our heart real softly, but when we hear the Word of God being read, God's talking to us. If you hearken to the voice of the Lord thy God to keep His commandments and His statutes that are written in this book of the law, and if, there's another condition, if you play on your iPhone, Facebook, and blaspheme people all day long and tell them how hateful they treated you, no, if you turn your iPhone off sometimes, I'll just throw that in there. If you turn unto the Lord, thy God, with all your heart, with all your soul. For this commandment which I command thee this day is not hidden from thee, neither is it far off. We're talking about the Word of God. It's not hidden from you in modern times. You got, you got all the Bibles you ever want, all the Internet ways to see the Bible, different translations. All the way you can listen to sermons and see things from God. Says, says, it is not in heaven that thou shouldest say, he shall go up for us to heaven and bring it unto us and we may hear it and do it. The word of God's already down here. You don't have to get a special messenger to come from heaven. He's already sent the Holy Spirit to speak to men to wrote it down here where you can read it. <clears throat> Neither is it beyond the sea that thou shouldest say, who shall go over the sea for us and bring it unto us that we may hear it and do it. And I circled that too. Hear it and do it. But the word is very nigh unto thee in thy mouth and in thy heart. In thy mouth and in thy heart. Remember I told you that one of the ingredients of faith is speaking to the mountain. In thy mouth and in thy heart that thou mayest do it. So to enjoy God's best, you got to hear and obey his word. You got to hear it. You got to obey it. And the Word must be in two places to work. The Word of God, it says, has got to be in your mouth and in your heart. In your mouth and in your heart. Silent prayers don't get the job done for faith things. Now, a lot of times when I lay there sleeping or if I'm in a crowd, I communicate with God with thought, thinking, things like that. But you've got to find time when you're dealing with mountains, where you can open your mouth. And you say, devil, in the name of Jesus, take your hands off my job. In Jesus' name, I claim that, that's mine, and I thank you, Lord, I receive it. Sometimes in relationships, you got to open your mouth. you got to speak. says, the word's got to be in your heart and in your mouth. you got to open your mouth and say, devil, take your hands off my child right now in the name of Jesus. You're not going to have them. You foul demon spirits of addiction, sexual, sexual immorality, and whatever it is, try to destroy your child. You gotta say, Satan in the name of Jesus. The word of God says. And then you might say, Proverbs 22, 6. Train up a child in the way she go, and when he or she's old, they'll not depart from it. You gotta open your mouth, says the word, it says, 
It's got to be in your heart and in your mouth. In your heart and in your mouth. In your heart and in your mouth. What am I doing? I'm teaching you how to enjoy God's best. If all you are is a silent prayer and you say things that you've heard because you thought it was really religious and spiritual, well, stop and consider where you heard it at then and you'll see the results they got compared to what you're hearing really in the Bible and you might change what you thought was so spiritual. See the fruit where it came from. If you've heard, oh, God knows what you need. Well, Jesus said, yes, your Father knows what you have need of. Therefore, when you pray, he says, pray like this. And so God knows what we need, but just always remember this. Authority comes from heaven, but it's exercised on earth. Authority comes from heaven, it's exercised on earth. In Mark 16, he said, you, believers, preach the gospel. Then he said, the ones that hear it and believe it, they're saved. The ones that don't, says they're condemned. Then he says, you believers cast out devils. But said, use my name. You cast them out, but use the name of Jesus. He said, you believers lay hands on the sick, and I'll confirm the word. And so we have to understand, if you're going to enjoy God's best, you're going to have to rise up, use some words out of your mouth, and exercise authority. Amen. And so the word's got to be in your mouth and in your heart. Then look at verse 15 through 18. See, I have set before thee this day life, this day life and good, death and evil. I'm telling you again, it's not good luck and bad luck. It's blessing and cursing. And God's the one that tells you what the choices are. And that I command thee this day to love the Lord thy God, to walk in his ways, to walk in his ways, to walk in his ways, and to keep his commandments and his statutes and his judgments that thou mayest live and multiply. And the Lord thy God shall bless thee in the land where thou goest to possess it. But, verse 17, here's that if again. See all the choices he gives us? But if, and I circled the but if, if thine heart turn away so that thou wilt not hear, but shall be drawn away and worship other gods and serve them. There's so many gods in this modern time. You know, I just... I, I, you know, kind of talking lightly about the iPhones, those things a while ago. That iPhone and these smartphones could be such a blessing. But at the same time, how many here has ever intended to look at one thing and it's two hours later? Does that ever happen to anybody besides me? <laughs> hey, man, if you use that thing right and discipline yourself with these modern things, they should really be a blessing. And so he says, if you're drawn away after other gods, how much Bible time has been lost to modern believers because of these stupid things? Amen. It says, but if I be drawn away from the gods and serve them, I denounce unto you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I see that. You know what? one way you serve this modern technology? Used to be. When you had a phone bill and it was $5, how many of some of the, anybody remember the $5 phone bills? $10 phone bills, whatever, the cheap phone bills and uh, the cheap bills for your stuff like that. But you know what? Now you have to work longer to serve your gods to pay their bills. 
Think about that. How many right now, if you didn't have a super big bills on your smartphones, the technology to pay for all the gigabytes and megabytes and the byte bytes and all the bytes and bits and all that kind of stuff there. If you didn't have that bill, how many could work less hours? Amen. It changed everything. But anyway, and serve them, he says this, I denounce you this day you shall surely perish and that you shall not prolong your days upon the land because I'll pass over Jordan to go to possess it. And so God gave every human being a free will. We're still teaching now about how to turn your hope into reality. There's at least three different places we saw if. God said, if, if, if. You do this, you're going to live long. If you do this, you're going to enjoy your life. If you do this, things are going to be good for you. He says that he gave us a free will. So we can choose to do things God's way, or we can go along with what's politically correct or popular to people that don't know God or his ways. Think about the commercials you watch that tell you, how to enjoy life their way. Most of those commercials are not geared towards things that have anything to do with God. Most of the movies have things that are not geared to have anything to do with God. Most of those things influence the world and too much of the church. And so if we're going to be politically correct, you can't be biblically correct at the same time. They hit each other. And so verse 19 and 20 as we're wrapping this up, God said this, and this is for you to enjoy the life that Jesus came for you to enjoy. He says this, I call heaven and earth to record or to witness this day against you. God says, I've set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. God said, therefore, choose life. God said, choose life. Choose God's ways. Choose to go the way that God says. Choose life. Why? That both thou and thy seed may live that thou mayest love the Lord thy God, thou mayest obey his voice, thou mayest cleave unto him, for is thy life and the length of thy days. God said, he's your life and the length of your days. And so I said this, life won't end in success or failure by chance, but by choice. 2018 won't live in success or failure by chance, but by choice. I praise God I made right choices, and my 2018 is ending 180 degrees different than it started. Amen. Not only for the health-wise, but for the dwelling-wise, where we're living at and what God's doing. My grandchildren have a granddad who wants to spend Christmas with them. My grandchildren have a granddad who will be able to sit and play with them and praise, play with them. And so, not by chance, but by choice, our theme verse Give you a heads up, you're going to be seeing all of next year. Theme verse, Hebrews 10.25. Part of it's on your calendar we gave you last week. In the Living Bible says this. Let us not neglect our church meetings, as some people do, but encourage and warn each other, especially now that the day of his coming back again is drawing near. And throw this in. Joshua 24.15. Joshua said, Choose you this day whom you will serve. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And so why did Jesus come to earth? Jesus come to earth so you'd have and enjoy life. Jesus come to earth so your kids would have parents that show them how to live. Jesus come to church so you grandparents could enjoy your grandchildren and your children. Jesus come to earth 
She wanted me, so he wanted me begging down in front of Del Taco. Amen. Jesus come to earth so you can lay hands on the sick and see them recover. Jesus come to earth so the only time you have to go to a hospital is because you're going to pray for somebody. Amen. As I walked out of that hospital last time, I said, hospital, the only time I'm coming back here is I'm coming down here to minister. I'm not coming in to live in one of those beds. I'm coming in next time to do what God called me to do, to pray for the sick. Amen. And so anyway, I'm telling all of you right now, if you'll take heed to those verses, those things we said this morning, you don't have to be a depressed Christian. You don't have to die before your time. You can lay hands on sick and sin recover. And your jobs will be more than enough to take care of you and your family. And if they're not, God will bless you for a better job. Amen. Let's stand up. Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more information, visit hdwc.org.